0: very welcome to the Can Projects podcast where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature and wellness and you'll find us on Spreaker.com or you'll also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible and the usual spots. You'll also find us on Twitter at Projects one If you'd like to email can Projects, you can do so at canprojects.info at gmail.com. and remember if you can help us all help each other and you're all very welcome back to the Can Projects podcast how are you doing Chris? I'm all right. It took a few clicks to get
1: the uh, mute button unmuted. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was stubbornly staying red.
0: So any plans, Chris, coming up um, over the next few weeks or for the new year? Mostly getting
1: things ready. I mean, there's a lot of kind of prep work to do on things. If we're planning on doing some more crafty stuff, I have to get my craft space set up for recording and things and backdrops and things set up for doing stories and things. Make it more uh, character-driven, if you will. Great. And yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna start playing a bit more clarinet again, a bit more music. Um, yeah. probably might do try and do a bit of buskin. Um.
1: Oh yeah, that's on the cards, alright. Yeah. yeah, because I got, things seem to be going a bit more positively.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna, I got, I got to get the license uh, sorted out. But um, were you saying something about uh, some balloon modeling ideas you had? Oh yeah, yeah. I want to
1: start doing. Um, I'm gonna do a series of instructional videos and kind of work on some bigger sculptures, probably in time-lapse or whatever, you know. Right, great. Because uh, the big stuff takes a while.
0: <laughs> what, like hours or...? I mean, I did
1: one that took me like 14 hours before. Oh. But that was a replica model of a Harley-Davidson to scale and various other things. Wow.
0: And what, did you break uh, that up, like into a couple of different sessions or did you do it all in...? I did a lot. Of, I did drink an awful lot of coffee and... Uh... <laughs>
1: You see, balloons are a very temporary medium. Right. They don't, they last, they last a few days. So if you want something done, it has to, you have to kind of get it done, if you will.
0: Okay. Wow. 14 hours.
1: Yeah. Now it wouldn't have been so bad, but that was when I learned the static electricity does build up and isn't good for balloons. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, I I forgot to discharge the static and blew up a hell of a lot of balloons. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah because there would there would be there'd be a way to do that wouldn't there yeah yeah you just
1: touch anything that's there to, to discharge your static like
0: isn't there isn't there isn't there there's like a um there's a little tool that you get when uh for when you're mounting uh like cpus into motherboards yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. A, a touchpad thing
0: right yeah great well look i'm can... really i'm really looking forward to that now so do you know what I just realised? We did promise on the last show that we were going to do a reading and we ran over time. I had to cut this I, off.
1: Yeah, I actually have the book still in my hand. Yeah, great. <laughs> the Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham. Chapter One, The Riverbank. The mole had been working very hard all morning, spring cleaning his little home, first with brooms, then with dusters, then on ladders and steps and chairs, with a brush and a pail of whitewash, till he had dust in his throat and his eyes and splashes of whitewash all over his black fur and an aching back and weary arms. Spring was moving in the air above and in the earth below and around him, penetrating even his dark and lowly little house with its spirits of divine discontent and longing. It was small wonder then that he suddenly flew down through oh, the that he suddenly flung down his brush on the floor and said, bother, and oh blow, and also hang spring cleaning, and he bolted out of the house without even waiting to put on his coat. Something up above him was calling him imperiously, and he made for the steep little tunnel which answered in his case to a graveled carriage-driven to a graveled carriage drive owned by animals whose residents are nearer to the sun and the air. So he scraped and he scratched and he scrabbled and he scrooged. And then he scrooged again, and he scrabbled and he scratched and he scraped, working busily with his little paws, muttering to himself, Up we go, up we go, till at last pop! His snout came out into the sunlight, and he found himself rolling in the warm grass of a great meadow. This is fine, he said to himself. This is better than whitewashing. The sunshine struck hot on his fur. Soft breezes caressed his heated brow. And after the seclusion of the cellarage he had lived in so long, the carol of happy birds fell upon his dulled hearing almost like a shout. Jumping off all four legs at once in the joy of living and the delight of spring without its cleaning, he pursued his way across the meadow till he reached the hedge on the further side hold up said an old an elderly rabbit at the gap sixpence for the privilege of passing by this private road he bowled over in an instant he was bowled over in an instant by the impatient and contemptuous mole who trotted along the side of the hedge chaffing the other rabbits as they peeped hurriedly from their holes to see what the row was about. "'Onion sauce, onion sauce,' he remarked jeeringly "'and was gone before they could think of a a thoroughly satisfactory reply. "'Then they all started grumbling at each other. "'How stupid you are. "'Why didn't you tell him?' and so on, in the usual way, "'but of course it was then much too late, as is always the case. "'It all seemed too good to be true. "'Hither and thither through the meadows he rambled busily, along the hedgerows, across the copse, finding everywhere birds birds, buildings, flowers budding, leaves trusting, everything happy and progressive and occupied. And instead of having an uneasy conscience, pricking him and whispering whitewash, he somehow could only feel how jolly it was to be the only idle dog among all the busy citizens. After all, the best part of a holiday is perhaps not so much to be resting yourself as to see all the other fellows busy working. He thought his happiness was complete, when as he meandered aimlessly along, he sudden suddenly he stood by the edge of a full-fed river. Never in his life had he seen a river before. This sleek, sinuous, full-bodied animal, chasing and chuckling, gripping things with a gurgle and leaving them with a laugh to fling himself on fresh playmates that shook themselves free and were caught and held again. All was a shake and a shiver, glints and gleams and sparkles, rustle and swirl, chatter and bubble. The mole was bewitched, entranced, fascinated. By the side of the river he trotted, as one trots when very small. By the side of a man who holds one spellbound by exciting stories. when and when, tar- and when tired at last, he sat on the bank while the river still chattered on to him. A babbling procession of the best stories in the world sent from the heart of the earth to be told at last to the insatiable sea. As he sat on the grass and looked across the river, a dark hole in the bank opposite, just above the water's edge, caught his eye and dreamily he fell to considering what a nice snug dwelling place it would make for an animal with few wants and fond of a bayou riverside residence. Above flood level and remote from noise and dust, as he gazed, something bright and small seemed to twinkle down in the heart of it, vanished and then twinkled once more like a tiny star. But it could hardly be a star in such an unlikely situation. And it was too glittering and small for a glowworm. Then, as he looked at it, it winked at him, and so declared itself to be an eye. And a small face began gradually to grow up round it, like a frame round a picture. A little brown face with whiskers, a grave round face with the same twinkle in its eye that had first attracted his notice. Small, neat ears and a thick silky hair. It was the water rat. The two animals stood and regarded each other cautiously. Hello, mole, said the water rat. Hello, rat, said the mole. Would you like to come over? inquired the rat presently. Oh, it's all very well to talk, said the mole, rather pettishly, he being a new to the river and riverside life and its ways. The rat said nothing, but stood and unfastened the rope and hauled on it. Then lightly he stepped out into a little boat which the mole had not observed. It was a painted blue outside and white within and was just the size for two animals. And the mole's heart went out to it at once even though he did not yet fully understand its use. The rat sculled smartly across and made fast. Then he held up his forepaw as the mole stepped gingerly down. Lean on that, he said. Now then, step lively. And the mole, to his surprise, and rapture found himself actually seated in the stern of the real boat. This has been a wonderful day, said he as the rat shoved off and took to the sculls again. Do you know, I've never been in a boat before in all my life. What? cried the rat, open-mouthed. Never been in a... you've never... well... I... what have you been doing then? "'Is it so nice as all that?' asked the mole shyly, "'though he was quite prepared to believe it "'as he leant back in the seat "'and surveyed the cushions and the oars and the rowlocks "'and all the other fascinating fittings "'and felt the boat sway lightly under him. "'Nice! It's the only thing,' said the water rat solemnly "'as he leant forward for his stroke. "'Believe me, my young friend,' There is nothing, absolutely nothing, half worth doing, as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, he went on dreamily. Messing, and in boats, messing. Look ahead, rats, cried the mole suddenly. It was too late. The boat struck the bank at full tilt. The dreamer, the joyous oarsman, lay on his back at the bottom of the boat, his heels in the air. About boat. In boats, or with boats, the rat went on, composedly, picking himself up with a pleasant laugh. In or out of them, it doesn't matter. Nothing seems really to matter, that's the charm of it. Whether you get away, or whether you don't, whether you arrive at your destination, or whether you reach somewhere else, or whether you never get anywhere at all. You're always busy, and you never do anything in particular, and when you've done it, there's always something else to do. And you can do it if you like. "'but you'd much better not. "'Look here. "'If you've really nothing else on hand this morning, "'suppose we drop down the river together "'and have a long day of it.' "'The mole waggled his toes from sheer happiness, "'spread his chest with a sigh full of contentment "'and leaned back blissfully into the soft cushions. "'What a day I'm having,' he said. "'Let us start at once.' "'Hold hard a minute, then,' said the rat. "'He looped the painter through the ring,' In his landing stage climbed up into his hole above and after a short interval reappeared staggering on their fat wicker luncheon basket shove that under your feet he observed to the mole, as he passed it down into the boat then he untied the painter and took the skulls again what's inside asked the mole, wriggling with curiosity there's cold chicken inside it replied the rat briefly Cold tongue, cold hamlock, hamel- beef, pickled herrings, lad, French rolls, cress, sandwiches, spotted st- d- 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 b- b- spotted meat, ginger, brer, lemonade, soda, water. Okay, okay, stop, cried the mole in ecstasies. This is too much. Do you really think so? Inquired the rat seriously. It's only what I always take on these little excursions. And the other animals are always telling me I'm a mean beast and cut it very fine. The mole who never heard a word he said, the mole never heard a word he was saying, absorbed in the new life he was entering upon, intoxicated with the sparkle and the ripple and the scents and the sounds of the sunlight, he trailed upon paw in the water and dreamed long waking dreams. The water rat looked like a good little fellow as he was scuddling, as he was sculling steadily on the foreboard, on and forbore to disturb him. I like your clothes, awfully chap. Old chap, he remarked after some half an hour or so had passed. I'm going to get a black sel- velvet smoking suit myself some day, as soon as I can afford it. I beg your pardon, said the mole, pulling himself with, great, with a great effort. You must think me very rude, but all this seems so new to me. So this is a river. The river, corrected the rat. And you really believe, and you really live by the river. What a jolly life. "'By it, with it, on it, in it,' said the rat. "'It's brother and sister to me, and aunts and company and food and drink and naturally washing. "'It's my world, and I don't want any other. "'What it hasn't got is not worth having, and what it doesn't know is not worth knowing. "'Lord, the times we had together, whether in winter or summer, spring or autumn, "'it's always good fun in its many excitements.' When the floods are on in February and my cellars and basements are brimming with drink, there's no that's no good to me. And the brown water runs by my bedroom window. Or again, when it all drops away and shows patches of mud that smell like plum cake and rushes and weeds clog the channels, and I can potter about dry shod over most of the bed of it and find fresh food to eat and things careless people have dropped out of boats. But isn't it a bit dull at times? The mole ventured to ask. You, just you and the river, and no one else to pass a word with. No one else to, well, I mustn't be hard on you, said the rat with forbearance. You're new to it, and of course you don't know. The bank is so crowded nowadays that many people are moving away altogether. Oh no, it isn't what it used to be at all. Otters, kingfishers, dabchicks, moorhens, all of them about all day long, wanting you to do something as if a fellow had no business of his own to attend to. What lies over there? asked the mole, waving a paw towards a background of woodland that darkly framed water meadows on one side of the river. That's, oh, that's just a wild wood, said the rat shortly. We don't go there very much, we river bankers. Aren't, aren't they very nice people in there? said the mole a trifle nervously. Well, replied the rat, let me see. The squirrels are all right, and the rabbits. Some of them, but rabbits are in mixed lots. And then there's Badger, of course. He lives right in the heart of it. Wouldn't live anywhere else either, if you paid him to do it. Dear old Badger, nobody interferes with him. They'd better not, he added significantly. Why, who should interfere with him? Asked the mole. Well, of course there are others, explained the rat, in a hesitating sort of way weasels and stouts and foxes and so on they're all right in a way and very good friends with them past the time of day when we meet and all that but they break out sometimes there's no denying it and then well you can't really trust them and that's the fact the mole knew well that it is a quite against animal etiquette to dwell on the possible trouble ahead or even to allude to it so he dropped his subject and, and beyond the wild wood again he asked where it's all blue and dim and one sees what may be hills or perhaps they and something like the smoke of a town or is it only cloud drift beyond the wild wood comes the wild the wide world said the rat and that's something that doesn't matter either to you or to me, I've never been there and I'm never going, nor you either if you've got any sense at all don't even refer to it again please, now then Here's our backwater last, where we are going to go to lunch. Leaving the main stream, they now passed into what seemed at first like a little landlocked lake. Green turf sloped down to either edge, brown snaky tree roots gleamed below the surface of the water. And while ahead of them, the silvery shoulder and foamy tumble of a weir, arm in arm, with a restless dripping mill wheel that held up in its turn, a grey, gabbled millhouse filled the air with a soothing murmur of sound, dull and smothery, yet with little clear voices speaking up cheerfully out of it at intervals. It was so very beautiful that Mole could only hold up both forepaws paw and gasp, Oh my, oh my, oh my. The rat brought the boat alongside the bank, made her fast, "'and helped the still awkward mole safely ashore "'and swung out the luncheon basket. "'The mole begged as a favour "'to be allowed to unpack it all by himself, "'and the rat was very pleased to indulge "'and sprawl himself full length on the grass and rest, "'while his excited friend shook out the tablecloth and spread it. "'He took out all the mysterious packets one by one, "'arranged their contents in due order, "'still gasping, oh my, oh my, at each fresh revelation.' When all was ready the rat said Now pitch in old fellow and the mole was indeed very, was, was indeed very glad to obey for he had started his spring cleaning at a very early hour that morning as people will do and had not paused for a bite or sup and he had been through a very great deal since the distant time which now seemed so many days ago. What are you looking at? said the rat presently when the edge of their hunger was somewhat dulled and the mole's eyes were still able to wander off the tablecloth a little. I'm looking, said the mole, at a streak of um, bubbles that I see travelling along the surface of the water. That is a thing that strikes me as funny. Bubbles, oh, said the rat, chirping cheerfully in an inviting sort of way. A broad glistening muzzle showed itself above the edge of the bank and the otter hauled himself out and shook water from his grey coat. Greedy beggars, he observed, making for the provender. Why didn't you invite me, ratty? This was an impromptu affair, explained the rat. By the way, my friend Mr. Mole. I'm proud and sure, said the otter, and the two animals were friends forthwith. Such rumpus everywhere, continued Yotta. All the world seems out on the river today. I come up this backwater to try and get a moment's peace, and then I stumble upon you, fellows. At least I beg your beg pardon. I didn't exactly mean that, you know. There was a rustle behind them proceeding from a hedge wherein last year's leaves still clung thick, and a stripy head with high shoulders behind it peered forth on them. Come on, old badger, shouted the rat. The badger trotted forward a pace or two, then grunted, Company, and turned his back and disappeared from view. That's just the sort of fellow he is, observed the disappointed rat. Simply hates society. No, we shan't see any more of him today. Well, tell us who's out on the river. Toads out for one, replied the otter. In his brand new way... Wade- in his brand new wager boat, new togs, new everything. The two animals looked at each other and laughed. Once it was nothing but sailing, said the rat. Then he tired of that and took the punting. No, nothing would please him but to punt all day, every day. A nice mess he made of it last year when it was houseboating. And we all had to go and stay with him in his houseboat and pretend we liked it. He was going to spend the rest of his life in a houseboat. It all, It all... The same weather he takes up, he gets tired of it and starts on something fresh. Such a good fellow, too, remarked the otter reflectively. But no stability, especially in a boat. From where they could set, they could see a glimpse of the main stream across the, to the island that separated them, and just then a wager boat flashed into view. The rower, a short, stout figure, Splashing badly and rolling a good deal, but working his hardest. The rat stood up and hailed him. But Toad, for it was he, shook his head and settled sternly to his work. He'll be out of that boat in a minute if he rolls like that, said the rat, sitting down again. Of course he will, chuckled the otter. Did I ever tell you that good story about Toad and Lockkeeper? It happened this way, Toad... An errant mayfly swerved unsteadily outward the current, and in an intoxicated fashion, affected by the young blood of mayflies, seeing life, a swirl of water and then a clup, and the mayfly was visible no more. Neither was the otter. The mole looked down. The voice was still in his ears. The turf whereupon he had sprawled was clearly vacant. Not an otter to be seen as far as the distant horizon. But again there was a streak of bubbles on the surface of the river. The rat hummed the tune, and the mole recollected that animal etiquette forbade any sort of comment on the sudden disappearance of one's friends at any moment, for any reason, or for no reason whatsoever. Well, well, said the rat, I suppose we ought to be moving. I wonder which of us has better packed the luncheon basket. He did not speak as if "'He was frightfully eager for the treat. "'Oh, please let me,' said the mole. "'So of course the rat let him. "'Packing the basket was not quite such pleasant work "'as unpacking the basket. "'It never is. "'But the mole was bent on enjoying everything, "'and though, although just when he had got the basket packed "'and strapped up tightly, "'he saw a plate staring up at him from the grass, "'and when the job had been done again, "'the rat pointed out a fork, "'which anybody ought to have seen.' At last of all behold the mustard pot, which had been sitting which he had been sitting on without knowing it. Still somehow the thing got finished at last, without much lost temper. The afternoon sun was getting low as the rat sculled gently homewards in a dreamy mood, murmuring poetry things to himself over and over again, and not paying much attention to mole. But the mole was very full of lunch and self satisfaction and pride, and already quite at home in a boat. So he taught. And he was getting a bit restless besides, and presently he said, Ratty, please, I want to row now. The rat shook his head with a smile. Not yet, my young friend, he said. Wait till you've had a few lessons. I'm not so e- It's not so easy as it looks. The mole was quiet for a minute or two, but then he began to feel more jealous of rats, sculling so strongly and so easily along, and his pride began to whisper that he could do it every bit as well. I think we'll
0: leave it at that for now. Chris, that was brilliant. Thanks so much. No no problem. Tell you what, would you come Mm -hmm. back and and, and do the next part of that next Wednesday? Yeah. Would you? Yeah, yeah. All right, I'd love that. That would be really brilliant. Um, I'm going to have to find my place because I closed the book without remembering to put a bookmark in it. Oh, no, don't lose the the spot. (laughs) Okay, well, listen, guys, thanks again so much and I'm going to roll the old bumper here now in a moment and thanks again for joining us on the Can Projects podcast if you'd like to get in touch with us you can email us us, email us us, 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 at canprojects.info at gmail.com and I've been your host Shane McKay and I've been the other host Chris Sneed, who's using another book as a bookmark because I can't find my bookmark (laughs) (laughs) okay guys keep well